0: Hello, real life. Good to see you today. Glad you could be together as we gather together for these moments, as we encourage each other, build ourselves up. And uh, before we get into the message today, I just want to say I'm really excited about our vision, real life, our name. You know, for the first 40 years, uh, we've been called Lamb of God Fellowship. And uh, just recently, we have refreshed our, our name and our vision for the future, calling out this generation to do what God's called us to do and to impact the people he's called us to impact. So it's really a continuation of the first 40 years of what God has done here at the Lamb of God Fellowship. But I'm so excited about this fresh message that we get to share with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our community, and to experience real life together. And as we pivot at this point and invite this new generation to jump on board with us uh, and to do what God's called us to do. Uh, Over the next 18 months, we have a vision to refresh our building facilities and we're dividing that into two phases. The first phase is going to include a brand new parking lot And as part of that parking lot, we're looking to put in a couple of basketball courts uh, for the community because there's no basketball hoops in the city of Montrose. And we know we are in a prime location right in the middle of the neighborhood, right next to elementary school, and just a great place for people to gather and even enjoy basketball. And so we want to double utilize our parking lot in that way. And also we want to get a new sign, put our real life sign together. We're working on that. We've had some people um, really excited about what the possibilities are about that sign so we can get that message out to everybody and we're looking at the possibility of a digital sign as well so we can uh, continue to communicate Ongoing with our community, what's what the possibilities are for them and how their story can be better, right? To live a better story, and also we want to refresh and renew our bathrooms. So the price tag for all that parking lots are really expensive, and uh, but the price tag for phase one, which we hope to be able to do by the end of the summer or in the early fall, is about two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. We still have some. Uh, some bids to come in and that sort of thing. But we have been saving money behind the scenes for the last five years. So we already have $66,000 saved up towards this project. And we're also um, running for a grant from the Jenny's Memorial Foundation. I'm hoping that will come through, but we'll see. And if we get that grant, we'll let you know. That could have a huge uh, boost to our fundraising. And then I'm asking our family members, you, And me to to pray and ask God, God, what would you have me do uh, to help make this happen? Because all of this added together impacts people's lives. You know, as we have a, a nice parking lot, a nice facility, uh, you know, it just attracts people. It gives us um, just a beautiful place to worship God and honor God, but also to attract people to the gospel and uh, just a beautiful place to do that with. And so if God puts on your heart to be a part of this, help us out. You can give online or you can give here at the church building. You can drop something off here. You can give at, uh, to real life now. So all of our name change has been uh, switched over For our, you know, our legal matters and all that. So if you're a giver, you can give to real life now and uh, pray about this because on May 23rd on Pentecost Sunday, uh, I just felt like God put on my heart for us to all do this on the same day just to build some momentum and excitement about this fresh vision that God has for us. So we're going to bring a special vision offering on May 23rd to church, or you can just do it online. And we're just going to have a big boost to this fundraising and see where we're at and see what we can do together. So thank you for supporting uh, Real Life. Thank you for being a part of this journey. And uh, may we continue to grow together into all that God has for us because we are better together. God put us together for a purpose. And that purpose is not just for ourselves, although that's part of it, for us to be healed and whole discover our purpose, make a difference, but also that we can overflow that life to those around us and reach the lost, right? Save save the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you for being a part of Real Life. So today I want to get into our message, and this is really kind of part two of um, a mini message on freedom. And the reason we're talking about freedom is because at Real Life we have this process we want everyone to experience. First of all, it's to know God. Second, it's then to... Um, find freedom. And after we find freedom, then we discover our purpose in God. And finally, we make a difference with our life. And so we're kind of working through those four different bullet points. We talked about knowing God for a couple of weeks and uh, the love of God and how much God loves us. And uh, how to how to experience him. And I was focusing primarily on the word of God, the importance of the word of God in our lives, because it is God. It is Jesus. And when we spend time in the word, we spend time with God, but also with his Holy Spirit. Right. The presence of God lives with us. We can rely on him. We can listen to him. We can talk to him 24 seven. And so knowing God is not supposed to be a hard thing. Uh, God has given us the tools to know him. And so I, I hope that you're growing in your knowledge of God, your experience of God, you're, you're, you're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And then last week, we started talking about freedom. And I kind of defined freedom this way. Freedom is uh, the ability to be who God made you to be. If we could strip away all of the sin and the effects of sin on our lives, on our thinking, on our bodies, we would experience freedom, freedom to be who God made us to be. How many of you agree that sin really screwed things up, <laughs> right? Screwed up our bodies, screwed up our relationships, screwed up, uh, you know, our attitudes, our selfishness, pride, lust, ego. Um, you know, we have all of these battles from our flesh, from our fallenness, from our sin that really takes us away from who God made us to be. And so freedom, to me, really, is getting back to who God made us to be, the ability to be who God made us to be. So we need some healing. We need to detangle ourselves from some sin. We need some reprogramming of our thinking and mind. We need our bodies to be healed, our souls to be uh, made whole. Amen? So that's what freedom is. And it's not easy, but it is doable. And that's the good news of Jesus. He didn't just come so that someday... When we die, we go to heaven, right? He didn't die just for that. He died for your healing today, for your freedom right now, for the quality of life that you have right now to be better. And that's what this is all about. And that's who we are here at Real Life is we believe that God can set us free, that Jesus came to set us free, to heal us and to change us and to transform us. And we've all tasted of that and we want more. We want more. Here's just a couple of thoughts as we get started. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, there is a freedom that Christ has given to us, but the purpose of that is so that we can actually live in that freedom and not return to bondage, right? So Christ has a path forward for you and for me that is a fruitfulness and an uh, impactful life freedom, that we don't just get forgiven of our sins and then we go back to sin and we live in the brokenness of sin, but that we are free so that we can live that way and have the ability to be who God called us to be. And that ability really is found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 28. I read this last week. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And so our motivation for untangling ourselves from sin is to have this kind of a fruitful, multiplying, increasing, uh, replicating the image of God on the earth life. Because freedom allows us to be fruitful and to multiply God's nature, God's image on the earth. That's our calling. That's our purpose. That's our creation mandate from God himself. He blessed us. He set us free to be fruitful. And your life is meant to be fruitful, uh, not full of bondage and brokenness and, and hurtfulness. You're not to supposed to be a taker and a consumer and that you make things worse. Your life is to make things better, right? To be fruitful, to multiply, to, to multiply love and goodness and And grace and peace. And that's found in freedom. That's what that's all about. If we embrace that we have been damaged by sin, if we acknowledge it, okay, then we can start to heal from it. The opposite, though, is this, to become defensive about our sin or our failures or to bury it or hide from it or to deny it, right? If we're denying or hiding or defending our sin, because, you know, we don't want to feel bad or we don't want to be rejected or we don't want someone to think bad of us, then we can't heal it. We're actually protecting the very thing that's trying to destroy us. So the first thing I want to encourage you is to embrace the fact that sin has messed you up and be real about it because until we're real about it and acknowledge it, we can't heal from it as long as we're defending it, protecting our own sin, our own failures, because we think somehow that's our identity, which it's not then we can't heal from it. So we need to be humble in this process to experience freedom. The second thing I want to say is if we recognize also that God's ways lead to life in fullness, then we can seek to align ourselves with his truth. And that's what sets us free. The opposite of that is to think that this is my Deal. I will, I will rely on myself, my own efforts, my own opinions, my own stubbornness, my own way. I will find my own way. Okay, And that, that doesn't work. So we need to, first of all, acknowledge that we, we have failures, we have sin, and be honest and real about those things. But also acknowledge and accept the truth that God's ways are the best ways, that God's way fills us with life and freedom so that we will then come alongside of God. We will align our life with God. We need to believe that. Otherwise, we're just going to do our own thing or look for help in other, in other ways. And finally, I want to say this. Instead of focusing on our actual sin, we actually want to go deeper to discover the source of our sin. Okay? In other words, often I think we focus on the symptom rather than the solution. And last week I talked about the woman who was caught in adultery and everybody saw the outward sin of her adulterous affair and they wanted to throw stones at her. They, they saw the outward behavior. But I believe Jesus saw the inward source and this woman was craving love. She just looked for it in the wrong way and in the wrong place. And by not condemning her, but loving her, Jesus actually healed her soul. And he said, now leave your life of sin. In other words, sin's not really the problem. The outside sin is not the problem. It's the inside soul, issues of the soul and the pain and the hurt that causes us to do the outside sin. And her longing was for love. And Jesus gave her love and healed her and said, now you can leave sin. Isn't that awesome? But most of us, our nature is to focus on the outside sin. Even with ourselves, we focus on our behaviors Instead of taking a deeper look inside of our soul and saying, why am I doing this? Why am I addicted to this? It's not really the thing that you're doing. It's what's going on on the inside causing you to do that. That's the source. And how many of you are glad that God always goes to the source of our our failures? Not to the sin, but to the source of our sin, which is a hurting soul. I think God is just amazing. And so I want to tell you a quick story. When I was in fifth grade, uh, there's a new student that came to our school. His name was Mark. And I kind of got to be friends with Mark a little bit. And one one of the things that was going on with Mark in fifth grade was he was just, he was really angry. He was almost like a bully. And uh, he would, you know, always kind of be short, tempered and, just kind of right on the edge of wanting to fight somebody, you know, that kind of thing. And one day in the lunchroom, we were in lunch, having lunch. I'm sitting across the table and about three people down from Mark, and we're all, friends are all there. And Mark's kind of just being really, he's just being ornery. He's just being kind of his, his normal self at that time, okay? And just grouchy. And he's like, wah, wah, doing something like that. And I stood up and I, and I, I said, I'm going to try something here. So I stood up, and I yelled at Mark, I said, Mark, you want to fight? <laughs> And I didn't want to fight Mark. I didn't want that at all. But I was I was trying to play a joke on him. And he stood up. He had this angry angry face on. Him. He's like, "Yeah, you know." But now, just 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 remember, he was three people down and across on the other side. So I, I was kind of safe at, the, at that second. But I said, "Mark, you want to fight?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Then join the army," you know. And it was just a fifth grade stupid joke. And it worked. Everybody started laughing. Thankfully, Mark started laughing and didn't jump over the table and and beat me up or something like that. But, you know, uh, that's how Mark was. And it wasn't later uh, until I realized what the source of Mark's frustration and anger was. And nobody knew this. They just thought Mark was a jerk. You know, they just thought he was mean and grouchy and just not really fun to be around. But we found out later The reason he was a new student in our school was because he had just moved from his other place because his dad just passed away. And I mean, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, man, I mean, I couldn't even relate. I'm only fifth grade. You know, you're you're not that mature. You're in fifth grade. But even then, I remember thinking I couldn't I could not believe what my life would be like, you know, if I had lost my father at that age. And then I understood What was going on with Mark? He wasn't just angry and grouchy and that's who he was. That wasn't really his identity. That was just the outside expression, right? Of something that was going on deep inside his soul. The solution wasn't to put Mark in a timeout or, you know, to expel him from school or, you know, that kind of that wouldn't have solved anything. The solution would would have been for Mark to find comfort in his soul. He was hurting, right? And that's how all of us are in a billion different ways with things that are going on on the inside. Those things just somehow squeak out to the outside into different what I call symptoms of the real problem, which is on the inside. And so freedom is not something that happens on the outside. It starts on the inside. And so today's message is freedom is an inside job. Freedom is an inside job. Once you get freedom on the inside in your soul, all the outside starts to change. But most of us, we spend all the time on the outside and we never deal with the inside. And it's just, you're just chasing our tail. It's not getting any results. We need to deal with the inside. And the only one who can really do that is God. All right. This is God's business is to bring freedom to our hearts. Jesus said it this way. For the mouth, in Matthew chapter 12, 34 to 35, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Did you hear that? Whatever comes out of our mouth is actually coming from what's in our heart. It says a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, in his heart or his soul. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So even the words that we speak are coming from our heart. Proverbs four twenty three says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do flows from our heart. In other words, our actions come from our heart. The outside is generated from the inside. The external comes from the internal, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And so Psalm six says this, Behold, the psalmist is talking to God, You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Do you know God sees on the inside of you even clearer than you do? God knows the issues of your heart even better than you do. And what does God want to do? It says here he wants truth in the inward parts. He wants freedom inside of you. He's focused on the inside of you, not the outside. He's not focused on the sin and the symptoms of our pain He's focused on the inside, the inward parts, the deepest core elements of what's going on on the inside of our souls. And that's why we can trust him, because he's seen it all. He sees the ugly, the pain, the, the thoughts, all of that stuff. And he loves us and he's there to save us and deliver us and set us free. He doesn't run because he's like, oh, man, that's a mess. I'm out of here. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't chew us out. He doesn't give us a lecture. He gets right into the heart of the matter because he is the solution we need. Jesus is our solution. And God can do this. He can heal every hurt, every pain, every disappointment, every grief. God can heal us. He can strip any label off of you on the inside of you. This is who God is. This is what God does. And only God can do this. So I just want to challenge you over and over again in this message. I'm going to be saying the same kind of thing in different ways just because I'm trying to get all of us on the same page. And I'm trying to get us all to believe that God really is for us. And he really can set us free. That it's really not about the outside. It's really about the inside. And so I'm hoping that this connects. And if you can study these scriptures that I'm referring to and let God continue to speak to you and let him transform your thinking, it will begin to set you free. It really will. So here's a verse in Psalm 51, verse 16 to 17. And the psalmist is talking to God again. And he says, For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. In other words, the psalmist is saying, God, The whole point of this is not that I bring sacrifice to the temple or to the tabernacle, that I bring an animal and slaughter it, that I do all these outward religious observances. God, that's not really what you are delighting yourself in. That's not really what you want. Do you hear what I'm saying? God, you don't really want my exterior uh, expression to you to just be religious, to check the boxes, you know, to do these outside religious activities. You want something different on the inside of me. That's what you really are concerned about. Listen to the second half of this verse or verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. You see, God's not interested in our exterior observances of religion. He's interested in a humble heart in the inside of who we are. That's why we're called real life. We're, we're not called religion life. We're called real life. God has real life for each and every one of us. And he's not concerned about all, checking all the boxes, but about what's really going on on the inside. And he wants our heart to worship him. He wants us to be humble before him. He wants us to trust and lean on him. And he takes care of everything else. All right, that's God's desire. So let me say it this way. How is God's reaction to your sin? I have a couple of thoughts for you. Does God want to punish you for your sin? Or does God want to free you from your sin? Now think about it. Some people honestly believe God is out to punish them for their sin. But that's not true. God is not wanting to punish you for your sin. He wants to free you from your sin. Okay, here's another way of looking at it. Does God want you to suffer for your sin? Or does God want you to be transformed from your sin? Of course, he wants us to be transformed. He doesn't want you to suffer. God isn't mean, right? He isn't callous. He isn't ticked off at you. He loves you. He doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to have freedom and he wants you to be transformed. Here's another way of looking at it. What is God's focus? Is his focus on your sin or is his focus on your soul? His focus is on your soul. This, this right here alone uh, could change your, your mind completely if you would just understand this. Remember Jesus, the woman caught in adultery? He's not even concerned about the outward sin. He sees her soul. Jesus knows, God knows if he can heal our soul, the sin will take care of itself. That's just a symptom, right? God is not focused on your behavior and on your sin. He's focused on your soul. What are you focused on? Are you focused on your sin or are you focused on him, on him? All right. So God wants us to focus not on ourselves, not on our performances, but on him and on Jesus. All right. God does not want you focused on who you were. In your sin, in your past, he wants you to focus on who you are in Christ right now. Because whatever we look at, whatever we're focused on, is what we become. And we keep focusing on our failures and our past and uh, all these labels, and I'm a failure and I can't do this and I did that wrong, da 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 da. Then we stay there. But if we focus on Jesus, of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, then I'm the head, not the tail, the top, not the bottom, right? I'm blessed. I'm not cursed. I am favored. Uh, God is with me. God loves me. I can do all things through Christ. I am forgiven. I am set free. God is changing me. God is transforming me. Then that's what we become. You see? And, and that's what God wants us to do. So instead of beating yourself up over your failures, you and I, we need to start celebrating Jesus' victories on our behalf. Amen? All right? I hope that makes sense to you. So the process of finding freedom is we are becoming who we already are in Christ. Our sinful nature is shrinking. Uh, The old habits, the old mindsets, the old pain is getting dealt with one thing after another. And that old nature is just disappearing. And our real nature in Christ is just growing and getting stronger and stronger. That's freedom. That's freedom. And this is a lifelong process, of course. And it takes consistent intentionality on our part. But I do want to highlight for you a couple minutes here, your three biggest assets that God has given you to find freedom and to live in freedom. They're pretty obvious, but I just want to make sure that we're all aware of them. Number one, it is the Word of God. The Word of God sets us free. If we're not eating the Word of God, if we're not digesting the Word of God, if we're not meditating on the Word of God... Okay, we're missing out on the opportunity to experience more and more God's freedom. We're not gonna just bump into freedom out in the world. We have to go after freedom through God's truth. We need to change our mind from some old thinking to God's thinking. We want to align ourselves from being crooked or being out of position or out of alignment with alignment with God's truth. That's what sets us free. And the verse I picked for you today for this is James 1.21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Right. So we need to have the word of God planted in our hearts and that helps us find more freedom. And uh, again, I want to push our journals that we're producing for you to be able to do this on a daily basis where you meditate and memorize a verse out of the Bible and then you write about it and God speaks to you and it's that process of transforming our thinking. So stop by the church, pick up one of our life journals where we have some verses in there for you to get started on this. Of course, you don't need a journal to do this. You've got a Bible if you've got your Bible, but the journal just really breaks it down and helps you to develop that kind of process for you if you've never done this before. OK, but we need the word of God daily. We need to eat God's word. We need to meditate on God's word. We need to think God's word. We need to align ourselves with God's word because that brings freedom to us. All right. The second great asset we have is the Holy Spirit himself. And I just want to encourage you to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't be so busy. Don't be so self-consumed that you're, you're not tuned into the Holy Spirit. You can walk through your day talking to God through the Holy Spirit and just tuned in, just like a radio frequency. Dial into the frequency of the Holy Spirit because he is your greatest asset, your greatest teacher. And when you have a little, uh, I call it a button getting pushed in the world, someone pushes your button, something happens and you get mad or sad or afraid, any of those types of things, the first thing you should do is go right to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, why am I feeling this right now? What's going on? Because it's not just about the outside. It sparked something. It tweaked something, right, on the inside. And that's God's business. So we say, hey, Holy Spirit, why am I so ticked off right now? Or why am I so afraid right now? Or what's going on that makes me feel like I'm rejected or I'm lonely or I'm hurting? Or what is that coming from? And have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. And the truth sets us free. Okay, so you have a counselor with you at all times. Bible says here, uh, Jesus says this in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 16. And 26 to 27, Jesus is talking. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And the Holy Spirit brings us that peace as we rely on him uh, throughout our day Uh, in every situation, okay? And the third asset that we have for finding freedom is our Christian friends, our Christian family, our Christian community, other brothers and sisters that we can trust, that we have a relationship with because the body of Christ is the hands, is the feet of Jesus. We're the ones that get to hug each other, right? Encourage each other, pray for each other, listen to each other, comfort one another, spur one another on bear one another's burdens, and we need each other. This is part of God's design and plan for us not to be lone rangers, not to be solo artists here, but to be reliant upon one another. We both serve and are served. We both love and are loved. We support and we're supported. It's a two-way street, and we need each other. Here's the importance of uh, this idea of freedom with people. Two different verses I want to show you in very distinctive ways of experiencing God's grace. First of all, 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says with regards to our sin, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, right? So we go to God, we confess our, uh, our sins to God, right, for what? For forgiveness. So God gives us forgiveness. We confess our sins to God. God gives us forgiveness. But look at James 5.16. Says, therefore, confess your sins this way to each other. Okay? So 1 John 1, 1.9, we confess our sins this way to God, and he forgives us. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another. And pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Very interesting. Forgiveness from God, healing from the process of sharing our life with one another. Now, it says to confess your sins. First of all, a lot of people get kind of, uh, you know, squirmy about this. I don't want anybody to know my sins. Well, that's just because you're so focused on your sin and you think that's your identity that you're embarrassed, you're shamed. And, you, you know, you, you want to protect yourself. Okay, I'm just being very honest with you. But the, the problem with that is that actually isn't your identity, your sin. Your identity is in Christ. And the fact is we've all sinned and we've all had hangups and hurts. We all have that. And if you aren't able to share that with somebody to help them walk you through that, then you're going to have a hard time getting healing and freedom. Because the Bible right here says when we share our lives together, when we're real with one another, when we're authentic with one another, that's how we get healing. That's how we get help. That's how we can. Oh, man, I've been there. You know what? I got some encouragement for you. Hey, let's pray together. We're in this together. And then healing comes. Freedom comes. Changing the mind comes. And so we need each other. I mean, I know it's scary, but this is what the Bible says. There is healing for you. But you can't do it alone, you need God, you need other people, and you need the Holy Spirit in that process. So that's what we do here at the church. We have a great program called Celebrate Recovery, where men and women are meeting in uh, their particular groups. And We have other you know, life groups going on and friendships that are having these kind of conversations about real life. We're like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I don't know what to do with that. Hey, I feel this way. Hey, I've had this in my past. And, and that's part of the process. Is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and your Christian brothers and sisters. Working this together are your greatest assets to find freedom. That's why you need to get connected. You need to find these relationships. And I hope that you can find them here at Real Life. Okay, that's that's our goal, is that you're connected so that you can have all of the, you know, the tools that God has made possible for us to be free, to be who God made us to be. All right? So... I don't know about you, but here's some thoughts I've had uh, in the past, you know, trying to transition from an old mindset to a new mindset, right? From my, uh, my sinful nature to my new Christ nature. And maybe you can relate to some of these. Uh, on the one hand, I thought I was a failure, but in Christ, I can do all things, right? I thought I was a mistake, but now I realize I'm a masterpiece. Do you see the changing of thinking? I was worthless. No, I'm not. I'm God's treasured possession. I thought I was rejected, but through Christ, I'm accepted. I thought I didn't have anything to offer over here, but I find in Christ, I have a purpose. In my old nature, uh, I was a loser. In my new nature, I'm a winner. Christ says that we triumph, right? And uh, some people feel like, well, I'll I'll always be this way. Maybe I'll always be angry, but we find in the scriptures, no, I can live with joy and peace and love. God can change me. And that's our new nature. And that's who God called us to be. So freedom is being transformed from the identity that has been pressed upon us in the flesh from other people's words, from other people's actions and sin against us and from our own sin and upbringing. Okay, freedom is going from that old identity to our new identity in Christ. And the more that we say goodbye to this old and hello to the new, the more freedom We experience freedom is unraveling all these misconceptions, all these deceptions, all these perceptions of, you know, who we think we are from our fleshy experience. All right. And it's aligning ourselves with God's truth of who we are in him. And I want to, I just got a final thought to share with you that I think is very important. And it is that freedom is identifying ourselves from the spirit, not the flesh. From the spirit, not the flesh. We are not a physical being on the earth having a spiritual experience. Rather, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. So what I mean by that is our true identity does not come from this body, does not come from this earth. Our true identity comes from the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. The Bible tells us that we are made in the image of God. I read that verse at the beginning, Genesis 127. And God is spirit, so we are spirit. Yes, we have a physical body. We are not our body. We are spirit living in a temporary physical body. We are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. Our true identity comes from our spirit our spiritual identity, not our physical identity. You may have a certain color of skin. You may be a certain sex. You may have a certain weight. You may have a certain accent. You may be from a certain country. You may speak a certain language. All that stuff is physical. That's all random. That's all changeable, right? There, there's multiple varieties of all of those things. And those things are not eternal to you. They are not your identity, your true identity, is spiritual, and you are a son and daughter of God, a son or daughter of God. That's who you are. You are in Christ. That's who you are. That's eternal. That's the eternal part of who you are. Now, this has huge implications. Let me just give you an example of this. Genesis 2, verse 7 says, "...the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being." Hold on a minute. Let me read this again, but I need to pause for a second. Sometimes we read the Bible, we just read it right through like I just did. But listen to this again. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Time out. So let's pause. Here's God. He takes the dust of the ground, the dirt of the land. He forms man. And just right here, we're going to stop and think about it. Where are we at right now? We are a lump of dirt that has been formed into a physical body and we look at this, right? We look at the situation, and what do we see? We do not see life. There is no life. There is no being. There's just a shell. There is this, this dirt-formed body. But there is no life. Until when? Until the next part of the verse. It says, and then God did what? Then he breathed. <sighs> He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Do you see? There was no life in the body until the spirit from God was breathed into man. All right. So we are a spirit temporarily living in a body. All right. Therefore, the spiritual is more powerful than the physical. The physical came from the spiritual, not the other way around. Right? You weren't born and then you had a spiritual encounter with God. No, no. You were always a spirit. Okay? In a temporary body. So the physical is subservient to the spiritual. Your physical identity is not the ultimate truth. I I know I've said this about 10 times already. I'm just trying to make sure it's coming across. Your spiritual identity is the truth. Now, here's the kicker. Listen to this statement very quickly or very closely. Wherever your physical identity and your spiritual identity differ, the spiritual identity is true and the physical is temporarily out of order. Okay, that's what I believe. I believe that Bible is teaching us that. I believe all the New Testament is trying to convince us of that. That what we see temporarily in this body—if we see that I'm I'm uh, uh, dealing with uh, sickness, I'm dealing with an attitude, I'm dealing with a label, I'm dealing with a hurt—the truth in the spirit realm is that I'm free, I'm healed, I have everything that I need for life and for godliness. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That I am born again. I'm forgiven. Okay, sin has no hold on me. That is actually the spiritual truth. But my physical reality is temporarily out of order. But what's going to change is the temporary physical uh, reality because the spiritual is not going to change. The spiritual is going to overcome the physical temporary out of order and get it into order. As long as we're willing, right? As long as we allow God to draw us into alignment with his will, with his word, with his spirit. You see, then freedom comes and what was out of order comes into order because the spiritual is, more, is the authority here, not the physical. So when a sickness clashes into the promise of God that I'm healed, what we're looking for is for the promise of God that we're healed to overcome that sickness, right? Because that's a stronger power. And ultimately, ultimately, that's what's going to happen. In the twinkling of an eye, we will all be dressed. We will take off the mortality of this body and we will be dressed with a new body fit for immortality, fit for heaven. Ultimately, even our bodies will be completely redeemed and set free from any limitations, any restrictions for all of eternity, right? Our spirit has already been healed of all sin. We are forgiven of all sin. But there's a process still going on in the soul and in the physical being. And that process, one thing at a time, God wants to restore. He wants to heal. He wants us to have freedom. So that's my message on freedom for you today. I just want to encourage you to step out into those three arenas, into the arena of God's word, uh, and read it, study it, meditate on it, get a journal so you are letting the Word of God set you free. Also, in prayer, talking to the Holy Spirit all day long, and, and in, especially when your button is pushed or when something is struggling on the inside of you, ask the Holy Spirit, where is this coming from? Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do, okay? And thirdly, find a trusted Christian friend or join a life group or a group of people. Right, At celebrate recovery, and begin to process these issues of the heart because Jesus wants us to be free so we can be fruitful. And I'm just so glad that you are a part of this uh, message today, and I hope it's blessing you. And I want to pray a blessing on you that the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and friends will, will be your greatest assets, and you and I will continue to experience more and more freedom. The Bible says work out, continue to work out your salvation right? That's in Philippians chapter 2. And that's not talking about get get busy on sinning less and and get forgiveness. No, no. We are forgiven. It's not talking about forgiveness of sins. It's talking about the healing of our souls, right? The healing of our bodies. The Bible is saying, look, there's a process of freedom that we we are in. And so continue to work out this salvation. Continue to work out this transition from the old to the new so that you are free to be fruitful, okay? If you're watching today and you don't know where you stand with God and you want to get right with God or you just have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to lead you in a prayer to do that right now. So just join me if this is your desire to to know God and uh, to be forgiven of your sins and to be experiencing this real life that God came to give us. If that's your desire, pray this prayer with me, would you? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me and never giving up on me. I believe that you were sent by God. You lived a perfect life. You gave your life on a cross. You shed your blood. Your body was broken so that I could be forgiven. I could be healed. I could be made whole. I could have new and real life in you. And God raised you from the dead validating that you are the Son of God. And because you rose from the dead, your promise that I too, as I place my faith in you, will experience that resurrection life will also come to pass. So I place my faith in you today, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I'm all yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I have the power to live this new life in you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray for a prayer of freedom for all of us who are just, there's something that's going on in our life right now, and this message is going to kind of spur us on to address those things and press in for what God has for us. Can I pray for you right now? Let's just go to God together. God, I just thank you for everyone who's watching this message. I thank you for your word that is stronger, your spirit that is stronger than any physical realities that we're facing right now. For those who are watching, God, right now, we turn our hearts to you and ask that you would lead us into more freedom. The areas of our lives right now that are out of order, God, we just surrender to you right now and pray that your word, your spirit, and those around us, our Christian friends, will give us the counsel and the direction and the wisdom that we need to experience healing and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. I want to pray God's blessing over you and I encourage you. Have a great week. Uh, May you just experience the fullness of God's freedom. May you see an increase of fruitfulness in your life as well. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and your family in his name and give you peace. Amen. Shalom. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.